Amen. Have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. You know, there's so many passages in the Bible that I love dearly. Uh, so many things when I read, it just brings me back memories of, of times before when I was either in a church or in a classroom or someplace where I've come across a passage that just really touched my heart. But Romans chapter 5 is very special to me because I was reading it the night I got saved. I'd been witness to, and uh, I knew what was right and what was wrong, and I knew I was on the bad end of that, and didn't know how I could get myself out of it. But reading chapter 5 here just kind of opened it up to me and realized that it doesn't matter what I am, he died for all. So I entitled this uh, sermon today, Sacrifice of Christ. Tomorrow's a Memorial Day, and it's time that we honor Americans. Uh, in Americans, we honor the men and women who have lost their lives in service to this country. A time to reflect on their sacrifices that made us uh, and gave us our freedoms. Uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, Those who have long enjoyed such privileges as we enjoy, forget in time that men have died to win them. It's true, isn't it? Sometimes we take for granted the freedoms that we have. We don't realize that it was built on the blood and sweat and tears of families who've lost loved ones in the service of this country. We must never forget all that they've done. Winston Churchill said, Never was so much owed by so many to so few. And it's the truth. Our deepest gratitude goes out to the fallen men and women who have gave uh, us the opportunities to live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. And for all the families who've lost a loved one and gave the ultimate sacrifice for this country. So if you could, we're just going to have a moment of silence for all those who have died and all those who passed away and all the families and, and for all those who are still serving. Let's just take a moment of silence and pray. Amen. As I think about all those who died protecting our freedoms, I'm reminded of our Savior who came to free us from sin and its consequences, like I told the children. Jesus did battle with Satan and ultimately paid the price uh, with his death. But Jesus voluntarily laid down his life to pay for the wages of sin. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So we could be saved, so we could be free from death. He laid down his life for us. He took all of our sins upon himself and went to the cross and, and bore those sins and had the wrath of God poured upon him so that we can stand here and ask for forgiveness and say, Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I sipped him into my heart and we can be forgiven. Ain't it wonderful? It's not what we deserve, is it? But it's what he gives. But unlike our fallen soldiers, Jesus rose from the grave, showing his power over sin and death. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven, making intercession for us. 
And our Lord Jesus calls us to carry on the fight as soldiers wearing his armor, his righteousness. Today we're going to look at the sacrifice of Christ. Let's read Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if we were uh, enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you, Father, for this passage here. We thank you for speaking so clearly about why he came and why he died and who he died for. Because, Father, there's nothing in here that says that he came and died for the special. He came to die for the good people. He came to die for those who deserve it. No, Christ came to die for the people because they needed him. Not because you needed us, but because we needed you. It shows your just and righteous God. And Lord, we thank you now for the freedom from being uh, without the penalty of death and sin and hell. But we stand with you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, help us now to spend some time thinking about his sacrifice and referencing the sacrifice of others for the for the freedoms of this country, but let us also understand that all this was made for us. And we're to rejoice and give honor to that. Father, I love you and I thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I don't care which side of the aisle you sit on politically. I really don't care. I don't, I'm not a very political preacher. I don't try to be. I don't get up here and try to, try to tell you how you should vote and how you should... Uh, 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 conduct yourself. It's, it's your business. It's, it's, uh, I care about your relationship with the Almighty God, and that's all I care about. But it takes special people to serve in the military, people dedicated to serve for love of family and for love of country. But only Jesus Christ could be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. If he hadn't come, this wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have forgiveness without him. And his sacrifice shows his great love for all people. So we're going to look at his love through his sacrifice. First of all, we're going to see that Christ's sacrifice shows his love for those who don't deserve it. There's nothing any of us could ever do to deserve God's love. But he loved us anyway. I think it was the hardest thing for me to, to, to grasp my little pea brain around. When I, I realized that I knew who I was. I thought I knew who God was. And I thought there was absolutely no way God could love me because I didn't even love myself because I knew what I was. So how could he love me when I didn't think anybody should love me? But this right here makes it very clear. It makes it clear in four different ways. 
Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Christ loved us when we were without strength. We are always and totally without strength to save ourselves. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. People around this world are, are going around thinking they know what they need to do to get to heaven. They know you have to be good. You have to, you have to say the right things. You have to memorize the right parts. You have to do the right things. You have to take care of others. You, you can't cuss, drink, smoke, and you can't kill and have uh, adultery. There are certain things you have to do to, in order to win your way to heaven, but it doesn't work. None of that will work. There's nothing you can do, because the Bible says you are without strength. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. No matter how hard you try, you can't do it. If you were drowning, and you didn't know how to swim, and you're out in the middle of the lake, there's no way you can wrap your own arm around your neck and pull yourself up out of the water and lead you back out of that lake. You're going to drown. You can't save yourself. Someone has to come who knows how to swim, to grab you and pull you back to shore and save you. Jesus came because he looked at us and said they are without strength. Sin has ravaged them. They are, they are miserably bound for hell with nothing they can do. I have to save them. I have to provide a way. Why would God let us live all these years, all these centuries, and, and, and knowing that there's no way we can make it out of here? He wouldn't do that. He provided a way. David was a great, thing, a great king, and he did many great things. But he knew it was not his strength that he relied on. In Psalms, uh, Psalms 18, verses 1 through 3, it says, David said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. My, uh, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. David knew that he had no power to do anything. But he knew where to go to get the power. Even though we have no strength, God loves us so much. Christ's sacrifice gives us access to God's power. The source of our strength is the cross. It's the Savior, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice he made. Psalms 46, 1 and 2 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will, I not, will, I, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea? We don't trust what we can do. We don't trust what we see. We don't trust what we think. We don't trust what we feel. We trust God. Above all things, we trust God. David knew. All of our strength flows out of the love of God and nothing we deserve. But Jesus loves us when we were without strength. He also loves us even though we don't deserve it, he loved the young, when we were ungodly. Also in verse 6, he says, um, In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. You know, when I, I used to read this, and I think, I know what an ungodly life looks like. All right? I can go to death row and see those people there, and that's an ungodly life. 
I can go to, to a, a, a place where people are doing drugs, and I see people on drugs, and I said, that's an ungodly life. But, but the truth of the matter is, it's not a horrible lifestyle and sin that makes you ungodly. It is a godless life. It's a life that you just decide to leave God out of. You can be a good person. You can be a church person. You can, you can do wonderful, great things in the community. But if you don't have God in your life, you're living a godless life. We need to ask ourselves every day, did I leave God out of my life this week? Has Jesus Christ crossed my mind? Has he been the central focus of my life this week? Have I been living my life with no respect for God? Am I mostly focused on myself? May God help us to put him first in every part of our life. Because he came to die when we didn't have God. We didn't know God. We had no relationship with God. He came for the ungodly to make us right with God. Isn't it wonderful? Third reason that we don't deserve his love is Christ uh, loved us when we were still sinners. Look at verses 7 and 8. It says, For scarcely for a righteous man will uh, one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for good people. He didn't die for godly people. He died for sinners. Romans 3.23, For all sin comes short of the glory of God. And that word sinners here means devoted to sin. Jesus came to die for people who were devoted to sin. I'll tell you what now, this may not be touching you, but when I read this, for the first time, and I fully understood it, because I've, I've, I've heard this in church, and people's read it before, and, and I've seen it, and I, I, you could, I could probably quote some of them, because I've been to school since I was a young kid, but when I was sitting there in that room, in my living room, and, and Missy and AJ were going to church, and I'm sitting there by myself, and I'm, what I can see through my tears, and I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, he did die for me. You know, I thought he died for good people. I thought God looked out along the world and he judged people. And he said, all right, I know the people who need to be saved and I'm going to die for them. And there are certain people that have no hope because they, I can never reach them. And I realized that we're all sinners. And we're all bound for hell without him. It says in there, some would die for a righteous man or or even uh, uh, some would die for a good man, but Jesus showed his love to us and he died for miserable, worthless sinners who had no virtue, no goodness, no hope, no chance, who were devoted to sin, living a godless life, and were happy in their godless life for most parts. But he came to show that there's a better way. And finally, in this little part right here, Christ uh, also loved us when we were enemies of God. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. It wasn't that we were just enemies. It wasn't that we were just sinners. 
Um, and it wasn't that we were just ungodly. We weren't just sinners. We were also his enemy. We were actively fighting against God. Because of our sin, we were hostile and rebellious against God. We'd done what we wanted to do. We lived how we wanted to live. We didn't want nobody to tell us how we were living. We didn't want anybody to tell us we were wrong. And when we were still enemies with God, he sent his son to die for us. That's a wonderful picture of love. If you can't see nothing else, you see right there that God loved you because he looked at you and knew you were an enemy to God and knew that he could send his son to die on the cross for your sins and you could still be an enemy to God, and he did it anyway. He loved us so much he was willing to take that cross to suffer, bleed, and die for us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's a wild verse right there. That breaks it down really good. It says there in times past you walked according to the course of this world. You walked by the world system. You walked according to what this world says. Survival of the fist. Get all you can. Go for the gusto. Live your life the way you want to live. You only have one life. Live it to the fullest. That's how we lived our life. According to the prince, the power of the air. That's where that idea comes from. That's where that world system comes from. The prince, the power of the air, Satan himself. And the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We were children of Satan. Children of disobedience. We, we believed every lie he fed us. And we served him with all of our heart. Verse 3 says, But among whom also we did have our conversations in time past in the lust of our flesh, uh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The children of wrath. We were miserable, working for Satan, living for herself, enjoying the pleasures of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of our mind and our heart, living however we wanted to live. Children of wrath. But verse 4 gives us one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. It says, but. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, have quickened us together with Christ by the grace we are saved. I think one of the most wonderful things about God to me is that God looked at me and says, I don't care what you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you think about yourself. I don't care how you live. I don't care anything about what you think you are. Let me show you what I can make you. Let me show you what I can give you. You're running headlong into hell. But let me show you something here. I have something planned for you that you can't get without me, but I'm going to give it to you fully and freely if you would just believe and trust in me. Our God is wonderful. The sacrifice of Christ is, is the most blessed thing that ever happened to us because he paid the price that we couldn't pay so that we could have eternal life. Jesus takes the children of wrath and makes them the children of God. He loves us when we were without strength, when we were ungodly, when we were still sinners. 
and when we were enemies of God. But Christ's uh, sacrifice also shows us love that has no equal. There's no other love like the love God has for you and me. First, his love has no equal uh, for what Christ was willing to do to show us his love. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, But God commanded his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The cross demonstrates God's love. It proved his great love for us by Christ willing to die. Jesus died so we could become the children of God. John 15, 13, and Jesus said this, Greater love had no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. I want you to listen to that. Jesus said that no greater love had, uh, greater love had no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love than that. But Jesus didn't die for his friends. Jesus died for the ungodly, for the sinner, for the enemy. Why? Because he was going to make us friends of God. He died to make us the children of God. And it is this example of his love. 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Today we are the sacrifice of many who died, who laid down their lives for the brethren, who laid down their lives for God, for family, for country. They give us the freedoms we have now. But Jesus came and gave his life so we could have eternal life. His death, burial, and resurrection has no equal in showing the love, the great love that God has for us. Christ's love also has no equal in its power. Look at, uh, let's read 9 and 11 again. 9 through 11 again, it says, Much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. And if we, it, for if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being uh, reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our uh, Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. We have received the atonement, the reconciliation with God. Here God shows his wonderful power in his love, the power to make us justified before him, the power to take this miserable, worthless sinner who has absolutely no good in him, who has, who has just lived with it in sin for his whole life, has just separated himself as far as he can, can get from God. He takes this sinner, and not only does he make him saved, but he makes him justified. He fills him with the righteousness of his son. So we don't go cowering to the throne of grace. We don't go crawling in on our hands and knees and, and we can't even look at God. No, God says, you're a child of mine. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly before the throne. Because I don't see you the way you see you. I see my son in you. I've taken away your sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. And now all I see is his righteousness I filled you with. You are forgiven. You are made whole. You are redeemed. You're reconciled back into the family of God. We're justified by the blood of Jesus Christ that he poured out on the cross for us. The price was paid in full. John 
10.18, Jesus said, No man taketh from me, but I'll lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. This command I have received of my Father. Satan didn't kill Jesus. He gave his life fully and freely so that we all could have eternal life. Christ's sacrifice has the power to reconcile us with God, and nothing else does. And we can only have this because Jesus bridged the gap because that was caused by our sin. And we are able to come to God only by the power of Christ's sacrifice. There's no other love like that love. Finally, Christ's sacrifice shows love that has no end. I'll read 9 and 10 one more time. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if we were uh, enemies of, if we were enemies, we are reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Jesus' death wasn't the end of the story. It is only the beginning of the eternal life God has planned for all who believe. Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. And he was raised for our justification. And we can be secure in knowing that we belong to God. And we have eternal life through him. John 10, 28-29 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, gave them me, is greater than all, and he hath, uh, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I tell you what, when I got saved, <clears throat> There was a wave that comes over me. There was a wave that came over me when I got saved. And I realized I'd been saved. And it's a funny story because I got saved on a Wednesday night. And Missy came home from church and I told her I got saved. And the next day I got up and I started, uh, it, was, it was spring cleaning, all right? I started getting rid of a whole lot of stuff in that house I didn't need anymore. A whole lot of stuff I didn't want to hang on to. And I was getting rid of a lot of stuff. I made a trip to the dump and, and got rid of a lot of stuff. And then the next Sunday I was going to go up and tell the church I got saved. I was all excited. I, was just, I, was, I don't even know what the preacher preached on that day because I was just waiting on that altar call because I was, I, was, I was going to bust that altar wide open. And, and they always give an altar call every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning there's an altar call. No altar call. I said, what in the world? And I just kind of sat there for a minute. I was just kind of stunned. I should have walked up there anyway, but I was just stunned. And the church service ended. Come back that night, no, no altar call. The next Wednesday, you know, I didn't feel like I needed to go up on Wednesday night. I figured I needed to do it on Sunday morning. So I had to wait for a whole other week for Sunday to come around. But it was okay. Because I got it done. Amen? But here's the deal. After, after, after the first initial excitement, and you start witnessing to people and you start telling people about it. You know, I told my family, I told my brother, I told friends, and, and, and I wasn't getting the response that I wanted to get. And so then you start to wonder and start to doubt. And then you start to think about, you know, well, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not what God wanted, or maybe, maybe this wasn't, isn't real or something. And then I come back to Romans chapter 5, and I go to that verse where it says, I mean, I go to John where it says, no one can pluck you out of my hand. And I realize that my doubts and my fears are, are just that. They're in my head. And that once I belong to God, then nothing can take me away. 
His death on the cross was permanent for those who believe. It was the minute you accept Christ as your Savior. You're not waiting to die and go to heaven. You're not waiting for something to happen. The minute you accept Jesus into your heart, the minute you establish that relationship with Him, you're saved. He has you. You can picture you in the hand of Jesus and, and the Father's hand around Him and nothing can take you away from Him. You belong to Him. That's the whole reason He came. It's for that one moment where He can grab a hold of you and say, okay, you're mine. You're mine, and nothing's going to take you away. I've been waiting for this moment. That's why all heaven rejoices when one comes to know Christ, because that's the key. That's what they're looking for. That's the payoff. It's when someone comes and says, all right, Jesus goes, okay, you're mine. Praise God, you're mine. Thank you, Father, for sending me, because he's mine now. And nothing can take him away. The sacrifice of Christ, the shedding of his precious blood, gives us eternal security for all who believe. Freedom from sin and its penalty. Freedom uh, to come to God any time. And freedom to have that eternal life. Nothing can change it. So today, as you think about those who sacrifice for our country, and you should think about that. Spend some time. Uh, 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 talk to your family. Talk to your kids about it. Let them know why we celebrate them. Uh, tell them stories about those, maybe family members who have died in service to this country. But also think about Christ's sacrifice and how it shows his great love and how his sacrifice for, for all those who don't deserve it. It showed a love that has no equal and showed a love that has no end. And as Americans, we can feel an obligation to not take our freedom for granted. They're bought with a price. And I think sometimes we just take them for granted, but they're here because someone paid for them. And as Christians, do you feel responsibility to not take your freedom from sin for granted? Are you living each day for Jesus Christ? He has you. He gives you access to the, uh, the Father through prayer. He gives you His power. He gives you the Holy Spirit to comfort you. He gives you protection. He's your mighty fortress. He's your high tower. He's your refuge. He's everything that you need. Are you living for Him today? Do you understand the sacrifice He made for you and the love He has for you by giving His only Son to die for you? Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's nothing, nothing like the love of Jesus Christ. His sacrifice is amazing because he died for us. If you're here today and you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, I, I, all I can tell you is you're missing out on a one-of-a-kind love. You're missing out on power and security and, and, and blessings beyond blessings that you can't even imagine. What's holding you back from that? What's keeping you tied to this world and hanging on to the sins of this world? Is it the pleasures of the flesh? Is it the pleasures of your mind? They're only temporary. They'll never last. They'll never fulfill. They'll never give you any, any peace or joy or happiness. Only God can do that. 
What's holding you back? For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, and whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He died for you. What's holding you back? Jesus is knocking on your heart. Because all He wants you to do is to come forward and He say, I got you now. You belong to me. Oh, I got a place planned for you. I'm building you a mansion in heaven. I got a place for you with streets of gold and, 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 and no more pain, no more suffering. For all eternity, I'm going to have you with me. Just come. Church, if you're here today and, and you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you know where you're going. Rejoice in that great love. Don't get sidetracked with this world. Don't get bogged down in the things of this world. Uh, get up every morning and say, I'm going to live today for Jesus Christ. I'm going to live for Him because He died for me. And if you put Him first in your life, He'll bless every part of it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank You so much. Father, I pray now, Father, if there's anyone here who doesn't know You, if there's anyone listening on Facebook that doesn't know You as their Savior, that today they can understand just how much you love them. You don't care what they do. You don't care who they are. You died for them so that they could have a better life, eternal life, if they would just believe and accept. Lord, I thank you for that day so long ago when I was by myself and just crying that you opened up my heart to your word and let me see what was really true. I was a miserable, worthless, good-for-nothing sinner. But you love me anyway. Lord, help us to understand that great love. Not just understand it, Father, but apply it to our lives and how we talk to others and how we witness to people and how we share the gospel is we're sharing with them the greatest love, the only hope they can ever have. And we need to do it with, with words of kindness and, and understanding. Because we know what it means to be ungodly and without hope and an enemy of God and a sinner. We're still sinners. We're just saved by the grace of God. Lord, help us to be a good witness for you, Father. Now, Father, I pray for all those who, so, who served this country and died and all those who gave so much, so many, Gave their all for us. Lord, let us rejoice in the freedoms that we have in living in this country. And let us rejoice in the freedoms we have living as children of God. Lord, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.